My guest today is an actor and writer living in L.A. with his wife, two children, and way too many pets. He plays an inordinate amount of Dungeons and & Dragons and collects a shameful amount of toys, and he will fight anyone who doesn't love the band Sticks. My guest is Todd Stashwick, I'm Aiden Nepom, and this is The Changed Podcast. have to I have to ask what is it about sticks you know it's like look the Beatles are my favorite band um but it's but sticks uh, is one of those it's very much tethered to my kind of middle class midwest uh youth Mm-hmm. That that what especially because when I was playing D and D a lot when I was a kid we listened to a lot of Sticks and Kansas and all those all those arena rock uh, prog rock bands but there's something about uh, you know what it was I think specifically the song Come Sail Away when I was a kid That's um, a great song a great song and and great there song. there's a lyric in it that as a as a kid it blew my mind. So first it starts off as this song about an, a, a, an ocean voyage on a ship. And so it sort of plucked all the Tolkien strings and uh, all the, all the, those strings in my heartbeat <laughs> setting off on an adventure. And then, uh, and then they get to this part of the song where he goes, I thought that they were angels, but much to my surprise, they climbed aboard their starship and headed for the skies. And my, like, 10-year-old brain exploded. I'm like, hang on. Hang on. So the angels were aliens, but they're on a ship in this fantasy setting being visited by angels. But so they're in the past in the fantasy, but then there's spacemen who are way more advanced. So like all of this, this fantastic storytelling uh, just danced in my brain. And then the power chords and the soaring vocals. Uh, so I think it, it, it just, it just was one of those bands that hit at the right time mm-hmm. when my little imagination brain was exploding. Uh, and, and, and I was able to start wrestling with bigger concepts um, and at the same, it was also a sort of the soundtrack to my Stranger Things era life, where I was riding BMX bikes and rolling D20s and, uh, <laughs> and, and, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and playing, playing in basements with friends. And so there's a wholesomeness that's attached to it and a, and a promise of possibility. That Do you have like an old sticks t shirt or poster or anything like I, that? In I, don't, life? I have a new one. Uh, I've seen them in the last two years, I've seen them consecutively. <laughs> uh, I never got to see them because when, when they were in their heyday, especially when I was playing D, I wasn't going to concerts. I was 10, 11. Uh, and that's when I was really listening to them is like sixth and seventh grade. Uh, and very much fused to those feelings of. If you think about like seventy seven, which is, which is when I believe uh, 
the uh, Grand Illusion album came out. That same year was Star Wars. Was seventy seven was a big year. I wasn't trying to bury the lead, but yeah. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. No, no. And then there's the Rankin and Bass Hobbit. So there was Star Wars, Rankin and Bass Hobbit, uh, and Sticks Grand Illusion, and then. Just shortly thereafter that, as I was going down the rabbit hole of all that stuff, uh, 79, 80 is when I started playing D&D. So it, was, it all kind of came with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and now playing uh, a lot of D&D as a grown-up over the last going on three years, it pulls me back to a lot of the music from that era and a lot of that iconography and listening to a lot of Fleetwood Mac and Kansas. I'm not a young person. So all of that These are great bands. I I mean, like they're storytellers. Evergreen. They were storytellers. Yeah. 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 Rihanna. Yeah. I mean, there's such great music. Epic. Epic music. Um, So Todd, you're an actor. You do acting. I do the acting. So currently people might recognize you from, 12 monkeys yeah yeah that's the that's that's the the last series that i was on as a series regular and that ended in 2017 yeah i think the first time i met you i was like oh well first i was like don't we know each other already but then it was because i had seen you on television on the show heroes oh my goodness you saw a lot of me because yeah. there was five of me at a time on Heroes. You were in several places at once. A skill yeah. many of us wish we had. Sure. I multitasked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so is there a role that you have had in your life that was like your most favorite role you ever got to play? Dad. No. Um, uh, um Your family would be so thrilled with that answer. Right. Yeah. I'm saying it so that there's a public record of having said it. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I I have to pick just one role if I had to. I, I think the role on Twelve Monkeys uh, spoke to uh, uh, myself as a nerd because it was a show that I would watch, mm-hmm. um, and. I often play uh, villainous types, and this was one of those wonderful roles that went from uh, a primary antagonist to a very self-sacrificing hero in the course of a four-season arc. And Mm -hmm. so that is a... And then to have have had some effect on the arc of the character and the writing and the and the, the collaborative process and interaction with with the writers um it was the single right now i would say it's been the highlight of my acting career uh it's also the one that i spend the most time well so i'm super curious and i've been talking to lots of people about this idea this broad big fat word change and what that means to people because what i'm finding is the definition of change is a little bit nuanced for everybody and so i'm curious when you think of this idea of change in a sort of broad sense of it what does that even mean to you well obviously i mean we're always changing right 
day to day. We're not even our same selves cellularly seven years at a time, right? We, everything gets replaced. I think, I think it, it has probably more to do circumstances than affect the internal life. So I, I think change is when you stop seeing something one way and you start seeing it another way and that affects how we interface with the world, ourselves, Mm -hmm. each other, dogs. Um, (laughs) Dogs count. Dogs are people for many people. Yep. Um, So I think change is, is the shattering of a paradigm. Uh, on, on the smallest of levels mm-hmm. and change can be thrust upon us or change can be something, you know, there's like the earth spins around the sun. And, and so it is in a constant state of forward propulsion. We are in a constant state of change. Mindsets though, can be remain rigid yeah. and uh, no matter how much, change is thrown at us a lot of people will white knuckle an old opinion or an old paradigm or an old point of view and not allow the the circumstances to affect us sometimes that's good so that we don't it doesn't cause us to become cynical or jaded or angry or bitter or hurtful or hateful uh from one place to another callous that's a negative version of change, I would imagine. Mm. I used to have this theory that um, each moment where we experience a particular shattering of an understanding that we've had, that that's actually what causes us to get older. That if we somehow manage to hold on to this childlike understanding of the world forever, that we'd stay young forever. And it's these moments where our reality is shattered just a bit that we get a few more gray hairs and a couple more wrinkles, um, but, but that it's but, a necessary know, part of our development. But that's also, okay. So, so I think youth is, is, uh, is also dipped to naivete. And we also equate, innocence and positivity with youth because Mm -hmm. they just don't know better they haven't learned otherwise they haven't been shown the world uh and so we say we lose part of our our innocence or our childness but i don't think youth uh is synonymous with innocence and i don't think age is synonymous with um a lack of uh, cynicism so that Perhaps, perhaps when faced with these darker things, uh, it can may bolster our hope or or mm. lack of cynicism, because it goes, nice. you know, when it goes to that the thing that uh, Mister Rogers says in the face of crisis, uh, look at the helpers. Uh, that is, you know, right now we are faced with a tremendous amount of change, and so it's like you can look at the people who are negative about it, or you can look at the people who continue to kind of keep the light lit uh, as they move forward. And, and sometimes it takes 
the strength of years, the strength of experience to work those emotional muscles so that we can continue to hold up that hope. Oh, wow. Todd, that's beautiful. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like some, I do. I think some that's a children's frame. hope can be shattered. Mm-hmm. Children can go dark quick when a paradigm shatters because they don't have the muscles or the resiliency of experience to go, this too shall pass, and therefore you will get on the other side of this through experience. I know that the sun comes out eventually, but maybe when you're a child, you don't have that, you haven't seen it happen yet. Oh boy, that's a, I love that. Well, thank you. I I feel like, uh, yeah, I feel like that's a, a really great way of thinking about that. There's a great line in Fight Club uh, I'm going to paraphrase it, but uh, Tyler Durden says, uh, I don't, I don't, I, I don't want to leave this life without any scars mm. uh, because a hey, scars mean you allowed yourself to be vulnerable harm and put yourself in harm's way to take a risk. You were wounded. That wound has healed and the scar represents the scar is a symbol of your ability to heal. Hmm. It is a record. It's a record of the event of healing because it's no longer an open wound. And so, and the skin and a scar is Mm -hmm. super thick. Yeah. Yeah. It needs stronger. stronger. Similarly to uh, an area where a bone experienced a break, it stitches back together stronger. stronger. So if that isn't hopeful, what is? Yeah. Well, so generally speaking, you know, there's changes happening all around us. We're in the midst of change. Uh, some of, sometimes it feels big. Sometimes it doesn't feel like a big deal at all. Do you find that you yourself adapt quickly to changes or do you find that there's some growing pains involved? I have, I've often described myself as I, I live my life with a flashlight, not a floodlight. Hmm. Whether that's good or bad, I'm kind of, I'm very myopic. I'm very, well, this is what's in front of me. I'm doing this now. Uh, I often don't have too much of a long view. Uh, Hmm. And when you live with a flashlight, you're constantly going, oh, there's the corner of a table. Got to move. Got to go around it. Got to, okay. As opposed to getting the lay of the entire room. So I would know how to navigate my way through. I, I, I think uh, having been an improviser for as many years as I have, my brain is is wired in many ways to perceive a situation and find a way to use it no matter what's thrown your way. With the qualifier of uh, the the degree of which change is thrown at you is going to, to, your your reaction to it is going to be commensurate to the size of the thing. So um, I, don't i'm not a worrier too much i'm not a panicker too much uh maybe to my detriment i don't i don't sweat the small stuff at the same time stuff does back up on me and it does i'm a human being um i'm pretty nimble Mm -hmm. with with adjusting to change uh but the the doozies are the doozies. Like, like 
Some of them, when you're literally talking about fundamentally pointing your, your cruise liner in a new direction, mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, much of my life is a little cigarette boat. because. <laughs> <laughs> but, but there's aspects of your life that you go, you're having children. Mm-hmm. This is a, an entirely new ocean. And so the amount of energy and upheaval sometimes to turn the boat is harder. Uh, sometimes big changes. I always, I always describe big, quick changes uh, are like jerking the car to the left and nobody has their seatbelts on. Doesn't mean you don't need to be on that new road but Mm -hmm. that unexpected turn will toss everything in the car you're still in the car you're going the right way but boy that was a fast turn and is everybody okay did anybody get hurt is 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 Mm. a drink spilled how are we all doing uh Mm -hmm. while you're still driving and we didn't miss the exit it just came up quicker than we thought oh that's i love that thank you so you were asked to prepare a story to identify a moment in your life where you experienced a change, a shift, a pivotal moment. I, I, I would love to hear this story. Uh, so in 19, I want to say 93, yeah, 1993. I was touring with the Second City Chicago, and uh, we had had a gig, uh, I forget where, and it was like a beautiful, like, February night. And we had come back from the gig, and it was a local tour code gig. We weren't traveling someplace else in the country. It was, we were going to like a local college or something uh, to do a show. And so you have all your stuff for the show. I mean, I had my suit in my little, uh, a little garment bag, and I had a suitcase filled with uh, wigs and glasses and all the all the uh, the accoutrements that accompany being a sketch comedy performer. Uh, at the time, I was courting uh, our stage manager, uh, okay. and uh, and she was a lovely lovely person, uh, and uh, I was all of the age. Uh, I think it was. In 93, I was uh, 24 years old, 23, 24 years old. Um, I'll say 24. Um, and I, I was courting uh, the stage manager. We, we had a budding romance that was just beginning. And it was uh, in those early kind of circling each other. And this is, this is it's that fun youth of beginning mm. of a relationship. And so... We had come back from the gig, and uh, it's now like two o'clock in the morning. And um, I lived in uh, kind of in the Belmont district area, kind of between Belmont and, uh, if you know Chicago, uh, Belmont and Diversity, uh, that that chunk of of space in Chicago. Um, so two o'clock in the morning, she uh, at the time was living way on the north side. And so she wasn't going to take a cab all the way to the north side because it would have been too expensive. So uh, she's like, you know what, I'll, I'll, 
uh, let's take a cab that splits the difference in the space where we live and um, I'll hop on the train and then, and then you can go on from there. I said, great. So we take the cab, we get off at the Belmont L stop. Uh, we get out of the car. I think this might've been our first kiss. And so we had this lovely, this lovely romantic kiss, downy flake snow, um, street lights. It was, it was just, it, it was a hopper painting. And we are, uh, we're underneath the, the, the train going overhead. And, you know, we're, we're up against the wall saying, saying our goodnight kisses. And it was wonderful. And I could... And I still, still taste her as I was letting her go, uh, uh, say goodbye and watching her leave and walk up the stairs. And I have my bag and I have my, my garment bag over my shoulder and I have my suitcase in my hand. And, and I just was, I just was on top of the world. I mean, I just was filled with just elation and light and, and hormones and all of the things that happen when you kissed a pretty girl underneath an L stop at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and and so I'm like, you know what? I'm walking home. I'm going to walk home. I live maybe four blocks from here. I live about half a mile from here. So it's a beautiful night. There's some cars. I'm going to walk home. So I head down the street and I can just see the the light from the street lights and the big downy flake snow. And I, I walk down uh, Belmont and I take a right onto Clark Street and I'm walking up Clark Street and my mind is still swimming with with the thoughts of her and just what we just we just enjoyed each other and uh it was very innocent and youthful and it was beautiful um and i'm walking and i'm walking i'm lost in thought and and i'm like uh, i'm six foot two uh i'm a big dude and i'm like i don't uh, i i you know and I, and I put this in the best possible terms i'm a big white dude and so i'm fortunate in this world to have not been made afraid of much. Mm. I've been, I've been gifted with privilege. Uh, and I, and, 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 and the thing about privilege is you are not aware when you have it. So uh, I've never had to clutch car keys walking through a parking garage. I've been gifted that by genetics and and the role of the dice to whom I was born and how I was born. Uh, I was not born in a world that asked me to fear it. Mm-hmm. So with that privilege, I was like, I'm walking home at two o'clock in the morning. I don't bat an eye. As opposed to so many other people in this world would go, you don't do that based on gender, based on race, based on a hundred other things that would make you go, don't do that. I did it. So I'm walking home and I'm, I'm, I'm walking down uh, Clark Street. Again, two o'clock in the morning, not a lot of traffic. Street lights are on. Big, gloppy, downy flakes. I was in a snow globe and it was gorgeous. It wasn't terribly cold because when the flakes are that big, it's not that cold, so it was perfect. And I'm walking, and I hit the, this corner, and this guy comes around the corner, and he and he he passes me, and then 
he turns and keeps pace with me. Another guy, seconds later, comes around the corner and he turns and keeps, now they've flanked me. And I'm just, I'm just curious. I'm like, and I turn and that's when the one guy opens his jacket to show me his gun. And then he, and he goes, come with us. I'm like, oh, 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 okay. So he takes me off the main strip of Clark Street, or they take me off the main strip of Clark Street around the corner. And, and, and the best way that I describe this is, is if you took your hands and put them in front of your ears, and it sounds like your voice is not yours... Yeah. Like you're hearing your own voice from far away and anybody who has suffered an attack or trauma has probably experienced this. And and I'm looking at the guy and the guy is pointing a gun at my head. And then there's a guy behind me. And, and so you just start babbling for your life. I go, well, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? He goes, give me the bags. And I drop the bag, drop the other bag, and and I was still there, and they, they hadn't done anything. I go, anything else? I asked, like, can I help you? And he goes, now the wallet. I'm like, okay. Took my wallet out, handed it to him. The other guy grabs the bags. And they still hadn't let me go. And I go, now what? And, and I can see my apartment building. I'm home. I'm home. And I go, what else? And he goes, now run, motherfucker. So my brain is going, tick, 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 tick. If I run towards my apartment building, I have to put my back to them. They grab the bags and they go that way up the side street. So they're now running away from me as my legs have never, well, what other time in my life have my legs took out from under me? Just fight or flight. And I wasn't going to fight. And so it was like a pachoo. And I ran back to my, my apartment building and I woke up my roommate and I was just like, I'm now all adrenaline. And I'm like, and it was one of those things that my first thought was call her to see if she got home. Okay. Oh, wow. Because the world was dangerous. And like, my brain was like, we're at war. <laughs> like, Make sure everybody's okay. Because if it happened to me, it probably happened to her. Like, obviously not. <laughs> But my, my first thought was call her to make sure she got home okay. Because I was fine. She was nowhere near this. She was heading on the L train north uh, 15, 20 minutes ago. Uh, and and I, so I was there and I got in my door and I panicked. But it, it, it was the first time in my life that I was aware of my life a second at a time 
I'm alive now. He hasn't pulled the trigger. 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 I'm still alive. 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 And it was a random mugging. It was just a random mugging. Um, I, I, and I also recognize soldiers face guns every day. People, people face violence in other parts of the city every day. My, my middle-class white boy from the suburbs who'd never been punched in the face. I just have found a way to avoid violence in my life. I was a small kid, smart ass, funny boy. So I was always a way I could soft shoot my way out of mm-hmm. any altercation. I've never been hurt um, by another human being, really. Uh, and these guys really never touched me, but the threat of violence was huge. And there was two of them. And there was, I had, I, the gun looked so heavy. Uh, it was just like heavy metal. And I go, literally, this much space is what stood between me and death, which was this to this, this to this, was the amount of space that stood between me and a random act of violence. And, you know, through the lens of years, I go, these guys are as terrified as I was to do something like that. What circumstances must they have been in that leads them to hold people up in, in, in the middle of the street at two o'clock in the morning. And then the irony being they opened that bag and they got wigs and glasses. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, like, I hope it was worth it guys. Cause they got, a, they got a, a secondhand suit and some wigs and glasses. Um, and then what the amount of, you know, the big payday that was a, a Turco actor's salary, uh, in that wallet at the time they had my mta card my driver's license uh uh, my atm card and maybe 25 dollars in cash i mean it was not a big haul uh (laughs) but yeah that was that was i i suddenly got a glimpse into a different way the world operates Mm that I had seen in movies and television and, and, and uh, literature uh, and on the news. And now I was a statistic of, of armed violence, but I, I wasn't a victim. I didn't get shot, uh, but the threat was there and the experience was there. Um, and I was young, I was 24 years old. That's two years older than my son. So what do you feel like that? I mean, so that clearly up until that moment, you had never had any reason to be afraid. Did that change that for you? I mean, I, I did. Um, I was my predator instinct increased. Mm-hmm. I was much more aware when people were walking behind me for a few weeks after uh, it eventually abated. And, and I found a new normal when it comes to that. But I was much more like, mm, watching the streets as I, as I walked them. Um, the outpouring was a fun, my, uh, one of my fellow touring company members, uh, days later gave me uh, a bag of fake glasses, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Joyce Sloan, uh, who also, she was the grand dame of, 
of Second City, she also ran a secondhand shop. So she's like, you're coming to the secondhand shop and you're going to pick out one of the suits. So uh, I was immediately taken care of. And again, like my experience was one night for all of, I'm going to say the altercation didn't last more than a minute or two. Uh, and far nothing compared to the violence that so many people suffer on a daily basis. Uh, you know, I, so this is interesting. I A lot of times when people tell me stories, they'll want to sort of like discount their experience. It. Yeah, they qualify the experience a little bit as in comparison to other people. But with the, there being more than 7 billion people on the planet and you're limited to your own experience... I, I'm guess what I'm curious about, not why you qualify. I totally understand why people do that. We don't want to make other people's experiences seem like they're not of value. In my opinion, everyone's experiences are of value. Yeah. My question is for you though, what, what, what did this shift for you in your limited understanding of the world or in your limited experience, the, the Todd Stashwick only experience of the world, what, what shifted as a result of this experience? Well, after the, after the, the initial like month or so of paranoia of just being shook by, by that, um, my experience was, I got shot that night and I, I died and everything else has been delicious cake. Ha. Huh. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I could have, I could have, yeah. it, it literally was a binary experience. It could have gone of, well, I mean, yes. Could I have been shot and wounded and serve on? Yes. But there's no, there is another timeline where the gun went off and shot me between the eyes and I'm just not here. There's mm-hmm. that's, there's a sliding doors where it went that way, where the ancient master and the infinity stone took off in that direction. Um, and I'm dead. So, so it, in many ways, in many ways, it made me more cautious. In other ways, it made me less. Hmm. Because if this is, if that is all, if, if I had got, if I had only gotten 24 years, well, shit, uh, I had a good run. So I'm going to continue. I'm, I'm like, I just was kind of stumbling through going, yeah, I want to be an actor. This is fun. But now it's like, screw it. I'm going to do the things, see the places, eat the food, drink the drink, kiss the girls. I'm going to live harder, larger, bigger, riskier. Um, I still don't like roller coasters, but um, <laughs> that's more because it gives me a headache and makes my stomach sick. Um but that being said, uh, I'm going to learn how to surf. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to find a way to see uh, Italy. I'm going to find like, like this is, this is it. These are the days of our lives. <laughs> and, and that's what I got out of it is ultimately I'm on borrowed time. I've been given that chance to go. Yeah, you didn't die today. 
use it wisely, enjoy it. You know, I go back, I go to that Alan Watts quote, and again, I will butcher it, uh, about life, the meaning of life uh, is essentially playfulness. Hmm. So that if we're not feeding ourselves, we're not looking for to get out of the rain and put food in our stomachs and stop the other guy from shooting us. We do all of that so that we can play to so that we can celebrate consciousness and celebrate existence and celebrate ourselves. Life isn't suffering. It is working to not suffer so that we can play. That is it. Mm, I love that. Life is, life is not a song. You don't sing a song to get to the end of it. Or life is a song. You don't sing a life song. Life is a to, song. Life is a song. You don't sing a song. Life is not a journey. That's what, that's what he says. <laughs> life is not a journey because, because a journey is a destination. I'm going yes. here to get there. We are not rushing to the end of this. We are, yeah. we are putting the needle on the record to enjoy the notes, to enjoy the tune, to, enjoy, to dance to the song uh, and then the song will end and the dance will be over, but it is about the act of the dance and the act of the singing, not to get to the end of it. A journey is often destination bound. And so I think uh, having a gun put to my head was to remind me to, to, you know, as cliche as it sounds to dance more. Like if this is, if that's what you get, this is what you get. If I had gotten 24 years, did I dance enough? Did I sing wow. enough? Did I, yeah. And uh, you've now lived more time. Uh, Quite Some uh, undisclosed Tw- number of... Twice as more. More than twice, twice as more. more. You've lived two Todd Stashwicks worth I've of Todd Stashwick I've now lived two Todd Stashwick, yeah. So I've, I, yeah, I'm, t- I'm 51 now. So this is 27 years later. Do you feel like you've dance the dance and sung the song uh, in that time i don't have i don't have regrets i'm not a person who has regrets are there things there are there are things that i that i make sure that i apologize for (laughs) well you know we're all human after all right but i don't have any regrets in choices oh i wish i had done this i'm i'm sad that i never x uh, sure. I do on a daily basis going, Todd, write more, make more things. Like, yeah. I that's have, my next question is like, what, so what is the, what is the song? What's the next song to sing or what dance do you want to be dancing? Uh, well, you, you and I are improvising this time. We're, we're, you know, it's like Indiana Jones says, I, I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. Um, <laughs> I mean, I do put in, I do put in, focus points on a map in terms of the journey of it all. Cause I think one's career can be a journey and you go, well, if I have a destination, then I know how to pack, what to pack, how much gas to put in the car, making practical decisions going forward. I am a logical thinker. Like my father fixed machines and my mother uh, for many years was a bookkeeper. So there was a methodical, like I, I never, I never look at acting or, or writing or anything as this, mystical magical arty thing i was always the blue collar kid Mm -hmm. in theater class like tell me where to saw i'll saw that and then we will put these boards together and then that's how we will create this character or this moment 
become very practical when it comes to acting or art. The magic I think that happens. makes a lot of sense, though. I mean, you know, it's like uh, my dad often has said things along the lines of this conversation that have stuck with me. Uh, one of them being, um, you know, if you if you come up with a plan and then you take the first step in that plan, then you're moving towards something. Yep. You don't know what you're actually moving towards, but to move with yeah, energy, not, yeah, with yeah, vigor, you move, then you have to at least set your sights on something and move towards yeah. it, but be open to what other things might show up because there may be a better path to jump to, or well, um, perhaps you were on that path all along and never knew, yeah. but it's like, you got to look forward to be in a, the present a little. As a, as a, as a larval actor in high school, uh, in my pupa stage, I uh, was like, I want to be Bill Murray. I want to be on Saturday Night Live. That's my goal. <laughs> so moving towards that led me to Second City and and eventually being up for Saturday Night Live, but I didn't get it. Um, but the didn't get it, you know, it's Dungeons and Dragons. Did you roll a one or did you roll a 20? Um, <laughs> uh, there's no failure in D&D because the one just makes the story go this way. The 20 makes the story go that way. Uh, so there's, there's just more interesting, you know, I, uh, I will, I will wind this back. So I was, I was writing uh, with Gavin O'Connor uh, director. He directed the film, the way back that I just did. And, and he and I were doing before James Gunn came on, we were co-writing suicide squad two and Gavin was going to direct it. Um, but that, uh, we would get to a place and then it, we would have totally painted our characters into a corner mm-hmm. and Gavin would go, well, that's good for us because there's story there. When, when the thing you think you wanted to do or when things aren't working out great, the, the, how you get out of being painted in the corner is the story. That's, that's who you are after that adversity is the story. So to what you were saying about side streets and as long as you're moving forward, I was moving towards wanting to be a sketch comedy actor. And now I'm neck deep in science fiction and fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I couldn't like, I don't, I haven't had a really opportunity to do half hour sitcoms in a long time, but I did a lot of them when I came to LA, but my, my path has led me down oddly this more nerdy path, which speaks to so much more of who I am as a human. Mm. I am this guy. I am a comic book kid, a star Wars kid, a dungeons and dragons kid. Um, and so I, uh, the fact that now I, I write and act in that medium and in those genres really are who I am, even though comedy was what, started me on this journey in the first place was mm. was was improv and sketch and wanting to be a ghostbuster and wanting to do saturday Night live is what led me out the door but then the side street actually led me to the thoroughfare that i needed to be on mm. that's a lovely way to say that well i could easily spend the rest of the day just having this conversation with you, Todd, there's no doubt in my mind. I think that your insights are lovely and I love hearing all this stuff, but time is of the essence and we have other, other conversations to have on this Sunday. Um, And so 
you know, to close things out, what, you know, if you were going to impart some closing words of wisdom about uh, processing these pivotal moments in people's lives, what would that closing thought? Well, you know, it's my wife and I were talking about this a little bit yesterday, uh, kind of when people have faced like a violent act or a form of abuse. Um, a, you didn't pick that to happen to you. That's on them. That's on them. They chose to do this to me. What I choose to do beyond that, I'm not defined by their choice of violence upon me. I'm not defined by that. I am defined by what I choose to do with that experience. Does There was trauma and healing that needed to occur from that, but there also, you know, what's the, if I can, it, 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 heat, heat and pressure and violence makes diamonds, right? Like mm. it is a chaotic environment that forges something that is ridiculously durable, going back to s- scars, it, for just something ridiculously durable that is uh, beautiful and pristine and reflective. Um, so when you've done the self-care to get yourself through the dark part of the trauma, find a way to keep dancing, mm. you know, to, 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 to keep playing. Don't let it, don't let it breed cynicism. Let it breed hope uh, and, and hope for other people as maybe an example of there is another side of this. There's a, this is, you're not stuck there in that moment of, of violence or in that moment of abuse in that moment. You're not stuck there. Uh, that is a thing that you need to process it, that wasn't your fault, but it is an experience in your life that you go, well, shit, if I don't find a way to find something hopeful out of this, then it won. It beat me. I was shot dead there. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Uh, if you are interested in seeing Todd Stashwick in action as an actor, there are four seasons of 12 Monkeys to watch. A really good time to watch it too, because it's about people getting through a pandemic. Uh, so yeah. I highly recommend it. It's funny. It's pop culture-y. Uh, it's dramatic. It's heartwarming. The action is amazing. And it's smart as hell. It's really good TV. Uh, awesome. Where can people watch 12, uh, 12 Monkeys? Hulu. Perfect. Or you can buy it on iTunes. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. And what, what is the next project on the horizon for you? I'm doing a, I'm doing a lot of writing right now. Um, I'm working on a couple projects that I've been hired to write on that I can't talk about. Um, and then I'm writing my own stuff. I'm developing a graphic novel. Uh, obviously, all production has screeched to a halt. Uh, on a lighter note, you can watch Kim Possible on Disney Channel. Uh, I was in the way back. You can see that. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And then the future, uh, who knows, because, you know, we're in lockdown, so... Uh, just the future is so bright. We'll see. <laughs> future is uh, still out there. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> it's going to be something. 
it's, and it's we'll happening. find out when we get there. It's totally happening, happening already. Yep. Future is now. Um, Todd Stashwick, thank you so much. Thanks, Aiden, for having me. This has been a huge. Bye, everybody. about change were poetic when he described the nature of change as moments when we experience a shattering of a paradigm. We experience these pivots, shifts, and invitations to stop seeing something one way and start seeing them another throughout our lives. Sometimes they're small and easy adjustments, leading us to simply go, ha, I never thought of that before. And sometimes, as Todd shared, these moments are sharp and abrupt, more akin to taking a sudden sharp turn in the midst of driving. And though everyone in the car is in one piece, these big moments may need to be followed with a bit of pause to assess, make sure everyone's still okay, and tend wounds. If we let them, the scars that form from these high-intensity experiences can make us stronger, give us greater insights into ourselves and our world, and open up a brightness and hope within us. Ultimately, it's our choice whether to allow our understanding of reality to grow and shift or to hold on rigidly to our perspectives as if clinging tightly to an old security blanket. If you haven't already, please check out the series 12 Monkeys, where you can enjoy Todd Stashwick in role as Theodore Deacon, or feel free to enjoy him with the whole family as Dr. Draken in Disney's Kim Possible. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review us, and thank you for supporting this show. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Show notes for this episode are available on our website, thechangedpodcast.com. You've been listening to The Changed Podcast. I'm Aiden Nippon, and I wish you the kind of experiences in life you're excited to tell stories about. Wow.